0: Hey everyone, it's Pacific. It's also a hot summer day and I don't want to stand in this closet any longer than I have to, so we're going to keep this quick. First things first, I want to give a big shout out to our patrons. That means you, Taylor Terry, McSwitch, Tanya, and Jason Ewing. Thanks guys, your support means the world. And if you're interested in hearing your name at the beginning of the show, or getting access to ad-free and bonus episodes, or even our new monthly postcards, or even getting a new pin, lots lots, and lots of stuff, make sure you find us at patreon.com slash scp underscore pod.
1: Warning. The Foundation Database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in
2: detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain.
3: Protect.
2: By order of the Overseer Council. This file describes a hostile, anomalous alien superstructure capable of causing SK-class barren Earth End-of-the-World event and is level 5-2399 classified. Unauthorized access is forbidden. Item number, SCP-2399. Object class, Keter. Site responsible, usu TBR Area 2. Director, Commander Niall Patrick. Research head, Randall McCallan. Assigned task force, Barrier. Level, 5-2399 classified. Special Containment Procedures. Due to SCP 2399's location and nature, physical means of containment are currently impossible. Implanted Foundation agents and major observatories are to contain footage or images of SCP 2399. An ongoing misinformation campaign is in effect, which has thus far been able to completely suppress any knowledge pertaining to SCP 2399 from public awareness. Foundation satellites in orbit around Jupiter are to maintain constant vigilance of SCP-2399's reconstruction efforts and make all attempts to hinder that process should SCP-2399 reach a minimum of 75% completion. Additionally, a perimeter of long-range electromagnetic jamming satellites, barrier array, has been situated in high Jupiter orbit. Any transmissions intercepted by this array are to be summarily decoded and logged. In the event of SCP-2399 surpassing 75% completion or an information breach in the jamming perimeter, necessary Foundation personnel will engage Protocol Legionnaire 5 see Addendum 2399-L5 given its completion by that time. Description SCP-2399 is a massive complex mechanical structure currently located on Jupiter's lower atmosphere. Since its visual discovery in 1963, SCP 2399 has been observed to use highly advanced antimatter based weaponry to create spatial disruptions and devastating atmosphere. Observable as the Large Red Vortex, commonly known as the Great Red Spot. SCP 2399 appears to be damaged, possibly due to impact with the moon Io, before coming to rest in its current position. SCP 2399 has been observed releasing a multitude of small, octopoid repair drones in an effort to repair the damage it has taken. Some of these drones will remain near SCP-2399, while others will patrol nearby moons or deeper into the gases of Jupiter itself in search for parts that SCP-2399 is missing. Computer models estimate SCP-2399 is at 59% completion, with a current rate of 0.78% annually. This rate has increased from an estimated 0.12% in 1970. Despite its damaged state, SCP-2399 seems to possess a limited power supply, advanced electromagnetic shielding, matter-disrupting weaponry, the ability to repair damage done to itself, and a precise tracking and targeting system. See Addendum 2399-2B. Due to the large difference in technological advancement between the creator of SCP-2399 and our own, for all intents and purposes, SCP-2399 is currently indestructible by human means. In theory... SCP-2399 might be left vulnerable by a powerful enough electromagnetic pulse. Unfortunately, this technology does not yet exist. Since 1971, SCP-2399 has been recipient of an unending stream of electromagnetic-based communications originating from the Triangulum Galaxy, roughly 3 million light-years from Earth. The means of SCP-2399's travel to our solar system and the means of its communication are all unknown. From 1971 to 1985, SCP-2399 continuously received a single encoded message which, through code-breaking and translation efforts, appears to be a command to repair the damage it incurred upon entering our solar system. After this time, the barrier array was established to intercept these messages. This coincided with a period of radio silence from the origin of the communications, until 1996, when a different order began transmitting. The barrier array has thus far prevented SCP-2399 from receiving this command. See addendum 2399-com-log. SCP-2399 Discovery Notes SCP-2399 was originally observed, albeit unknowingly, by Giovanni Cassini in 1665. The following is taken directly from Cassini's journal on the event, translated from Italian to English.
3: 8th of October 1665. I have observed something extraordinary in the heavens. Last night, as I gazed through my looking glass, I saw what appeared to be a star of great luminescence streak through the far reaches of our solar system. I have never recorded an object moving so fast. It had it, it surpassed the outer planets in fewer than two hours. As I watched, by my own two eyes, I saw it slow as it closed in upon Jupiter, make a sharp turn and disappear into the very planet itself. I saw many bursts of light afterwards, but although I continued to peer at it until the sun broke, I saw no additional disturbances in the night sky. I must continue to document these changes and will alert my colleagues when the day is upon me. 15th of October, 1665. I took Peter to my observation point last night. A week from the night I first saw the firing upon Jupiter in the heavens. He brought along his own looking-glass, and together we aimed our view upon the giant. And to our surprise, a magnificent change has occurred. Where once the distant world only showed but bands of color, there is now a great red spot where the star came to rest on the surface of Jupiter. Peter was incredulous, of course, that such an amazing discovery could have taken place before our very eyes. I, I, however, must continue to take note of this. The 18th of October, 1665. Tonight, as I peered through the looking glass, I I swear on my life that I observed what looked to me like explosions starbursts emanating from our red spot. I've never seen anything of its like. I, I fear my mind is playing tricks on me, for there's been no record of such violent outbursts by a heavenly body since, well, since the dawn of astronomy. I, I, I will consult with Peter on the morrow, and hopefully glean from him some advice on this matter. The 19th of October. 1665. Ah, uh, uh, Peter sees the same as I. I'm not going mad. As I approached him with my concerns, he, he leveled the same with me. And through our following discussion, we concluded that it, well, it must be some sort of powerful reaction to the falling star I saw upon the first night, rather than a product of our own shortcomings. I am left wondering, however what cataclysmic event must be taking place upon our heavenly neighbor. Ah, our work to document this must go on.
2: Addendum 2399-2B At Hours on Barrier Unit 53 observed one of SCP-2399's repair drones closing on a piece of debris quickly determined to be part of a damaged communications array. Because of the nature of this specific component and the ramifications of allowing SCP-2399 to recover it, it was ordered that Beary Unit 45 fire upon the drone with its onboard concussion batteries. batteries were discharged, however the drone appeared undamaged. Footage obtained by Beary Unit 53 shows that, while the payload in question was launched towards a repair drone, it was destroyed within 5 kilometers of the target by additional charges originating from SCP-2399 command lost contact with barrier unit 45 15 seconds after initial discharge with video observation showing scp-2399 the resulting spatial anomaly originating in dash dash the termination of barrier unit 45 by barrier units 44 51 and 55 under no circumstances are any barrier units to further engage either scp-2399 or drones released by scp-2399 addendum 2399-2c Project GIGAS, information restricted to Level 4 personnel or above. After the events of, it was decided that necessary force would be authorized to destroy or incapacitate SCP-2399. Using Foundation resources as well as resources from 45 nations, notably a platform of warheads-bearing megaton payouts and warheads-bearing EMP detonators was launched and placed in orbit around Europa. With orders from 15 heads of state and O5, the entire payload of Project GIGAS was launched toward SCP-2399. Efforts to develop alternative methods of eliminating SCP-2399 are currently underway. Addendum 2399-L5. Information restricted to level four personnel or above.
4: So, SCP-2399. Have you ever sat and wondered Maybe after you hear about a car accident on a street you were just on, or a bombing in a city you were visiting. Just how lucky you are to be alive. Just how many things have to go right for you to continue to exist? A few seconds too late, a few seconds too early, and somebody reaches for something they dropped, and a busload of people run into another busload of people. Sometimes this kind of thing does happen, as we've seen far too often. But that's what we're here for protect those who can't protect themselves from things they wouldn't even know to protect themselves from. We can't do it all, though. As many things as we've been able to contain, as many things as we've been able to keep under lock that would threaten to destroy us all, still far too many remain that we can't do anything about. Whether they're too big, or too fast, or too powerful, any of these things could blink and wipe humanity from existence. The fact that they haven't done so yet is just luck. SCP-2399, however, is different. We have little information regarding SCP-2399's motives, origins, and full capabilities. We do not understand how it is capable of communicating over such large distances, or why those who constructed it, if it was in fact constructed, sent it to us in the first place. We do not know what would happen if SCP-2399 is able to fully repair itself, or if part of our array would break down and a message got through. We do not know this, so we must assume the worst. Judging by what we've seen, were SCP-2399 to have reached Earth, it would have led to our timely destruction. But, sometimes humanity gets a little help. Sometimes something steps in the way of the apocalypse. For us, and for SCP-2399, it was Jupiter. As SCP-2399 began to slow on its approach to Earth, Cassini saw what we've been able to ascertain, that SCP-2399 struck Io, was damaged, and was unable to escape the gravitational pull of Jupiter. Its weapons activated as they were intended, but it was Jupiter that experienced Doomsday, not us. Eventually, though, It's likely that SCP-2399 will resume full functionality, and will likely be able to pull away from Jupiter and proceed to its target. As of now, we can keep hurling bombs and EMPs at it all we want, but we've got no indication that any of it will so much as scratch the thing. On the contrary, experience dictates it would do nothing at all. If this were to happen now, we would undoubtedly be destroyed. Jupiter has given us time. For now, SCP-2399 will remain there, reassembling itself while we devise some way to stop it. Like it or not, we are in an arms race with this thing. Our best guesses give us something like 25 years until it's able to hear past our dampening array. Until then, we must seize the opportunity that has been laid before us. We must use the time we've been given and not let it be wasted. So, we devised Protocol Legionnaire... One gigantic EMP powered by God knows what, followed by a volley of nukes big enough to wipe out our civilization a thousand times over. A blunt plan and simple and likely futile. Our researchers and researchers around the globe have yet to devise even a way to deliver that kind of pulse, let alone a way to power it. There's no indication whatsoever that we will be able to complete Legionnaire on time ...or if it will do what is intended once it is completed. But we must try. We must do something. Even if we have to drain our banks and empty our minds, we must try. Not often do we get a chance to see the swerving bus that will end our lives and step out of the way. Jupiter unknowingly has offered us that chance. I suggest we take it. Randall McCallan, Director, Barrier Project.
2: Site Theta Alpha 7. Addendum 2399-com-log Information restricted to level 4 personnel or above. All messages logged are to be understood as having repeated themselves continuously until either a new message is logged or a logged instance of radio silence. 1971 Unit is damaged. Repair. 1985 Updating Orders. Maintain Position. Repair. 1985. Period of Radio Silence. Barrier Array is Established. 1996. Unit is out of range of target. Proceed to Planet Number 3 in System. Repair. 2015. Unit is out of range of target. Proceed to Planet Number 3 in System. Priority is Target. Cease Repairs.
5: It's day 50 of freeze-dried beef stroganoff. Dr. Beckett swallows the meat and rice with a grimace. He's made a challenge out of it, seeing how long he can eat the same meal without cracking. This is probably as far as he'll go with this dish, beating his previous record with the chicken curry. At least if he stops here, he'll have plenty of the beef left to break up the nutrient paste and vitamin pills once the rest of the prepackaged food runs out.
1: I'm not looking forward to that day when I find this swill a treat.
5: He looks out of the porthole, imagining the ventilation fans as a breeze blowing across the lunar plane. Not for the first time, he wishes he had tried to smuggle in just one pack of cigarettes. It wouldn't have done any harm in the end. Werner would have lost his mind if he'd found out, though.
1: The sour-faced, stuck up bastard. Of all the people to be shot into space with, the O5s had to send me with Site-19's tie-on-casual Friday's Wernie. The guy who thinks putting sugar in his cereal is the height of adventure. Maybe it's for the best, he went off. Living together, one of us would have by now. Not a word. Not even i I'm just going out and maybe some time. You didn't even shake my fucking hand before you left. God damn you, Wernie.
5: Beckett thinks back to that day, a few months ago. Seeing Dr. Werner walking through the craters, heading towards the horizon. Opening a radio channel.
1: Hey, Wernie. Where are you going?
5: The last words of man.
1: Hey, Wernie, where are you going? Jesus Christ. You didn't have to explain yourself or say something deep and meaningful. Hell, goodbye would have been deep and meaningful enough for anyone. I'd have been satisfied with that. If I'd gone after you, would you have come back? No, you wouldn't have come back. And That's why I didn't say anything else. God Damn you, you bastard.
5: It was ironic. That gloomy, unsmiling Dr. Werner was the first one to snap. Because in the end, it was because he was the positive one. He was the optimist. He believed the briefing from the O5S. That they were to get ready for the next wave of staff. The pioneers of new humanity rising from the ashes. Even when they both knew no more shuttles were coming. He still thought the Foundation had something up its sleeve. That some portal would appear, and the O5S would pop out to give them medals and take them back to the world as it was before.
1: I guess the day he walked out was when he knew we were the last ones left. I'm still here because, in the end, I was less hopeful than sour old Wernie. What was the point of hoping after they launched Legionnaire?
5: Beckett thinks back to the day when everything changed. When it started ascending from the gases of Jupiter. The president on television with the overseers beside him. The wailing in the street. The day he told Adrian where he really worked. And then, the miracles. Watching Legionnaire's first test launch. Jimmy Kimmel making electromagnetic pulse jokes. His nieces and nephews drawing crayon pictures of rockets and explosions and arguing about which missile was the best. The Pope leading the faithful in prayer to the world's nuclear bombs in St. Peter's Square. The Lord's angels made metal. An end to wars. An end to pointless squabbles and petty politics. All the negative energies of mankind turned to purpose. With an outside threat so faceless, so impersonal, that all the vitriol and hatred directed towards it became noble. Most of the job involved disgust, fear, and at best, grim satisfaction if things were well done. But those few months...
1: I was proud of the Foundation. I was proud to say I worked there. I was proud to be a human being. Maybe that was worth it. Maybe I should be grateful to Wernie. Now I can say I'm the last man on the moon. The anti-Armstrong to your anti-Aldrin. One small step for a man. One giant end for mankind.
5: Another half-remembered memory of a bright-eyed graduating class at MIT. As Aldrin walks in, telling America's newest engineers about dreaming and boldly going. Cheers and screams from the crowd, drowning out any substance of the speech, shoving past friends and holding out a pen and scrap of paper, the prize following him to Boeing, Cape Canaveral, and Site-19. Now returned to dust like everything else. Suddenly, Beckett has an idea and heads to the base storerooms.
1: It's not like I have anything better to do.
5: A few hours later, the rover is loaded with supplies and peels out of the garage, the door silently sliding closed behind it. A set of footprints trails into the distance, but the rover bounces in the opposite direction. He dreams of the first time he went into space, and the last time. Armstrong, Aldrin, Collins, Beckett, Werner... The last manned mission to the moon. The last mission anywhere. The rover comes to a stop, the beep of the autopilot waking Beckett from his slumber. He straps on his helmet, tapping the seals. The airlock opens with a hiss, and he bounds down the stairs. The lander is in front of him, flags standing stiffly at attention beside it. Beckett runs a glove over its metal legs, so awkward-looking to modern eyes. His hand comes to rest over Aldrin's signature.
1: Did you ever think something like this would happen, Mr. Aldrin? If you'd gone ten years earlier, would it have changed anything? What if you'd never gone at all?
5: Beckett suddenly feels weary and begins to wonder why he came. He stands there, imagining the stars and stripes fluttering and the anthem playing until his oxygen warning begins to sound beneath a black sky and brown earth. He sleeps again on the journey back, dreaming of drawings of da Vinci's flying machines, Florentine streets, chapel ceilings, drinking red wine with Adrian. When he returns, it's one o'clock in the morning, Greenwich Mean Time. He's missed his daily call, not that it makes a difference anymore. Still, it's best to keep routines in this place. He boots up the base computer, cycling through the sites. The live, well, one-second-delayed live camera feeds are still active. And he wonders why he needs to see the pictures as he calls, as if... They were placed there by a mocking tormentor. Beckett brings up Site 19. The entrance guard tower has collapsed on top of the central building, and it looks like the cafeteria is now gone. The sky is a swirling, roaring mass of dust and sulfur, masonry and debris bouncing past like tumbleweeds, the leftovers of the human
6: race. Same old, same old.
5: He taps the transmitter button.
6: This is an automated message from Site-19. We have a Category 1 Site-wide failure. Contact Alternate command for orders.
1: Hello, Site-19. Hello, Overseers. Still not coming to get me, yeah? Maybe Warren, he stepped into that portal and found his way back there. Maybe he finally found his sense of humor and messed with the computer before he left. Everything's back to normal there. And everyone's sitting in the cafeteria right now, preparing my surprise party. Wernie, can you hear me? I know you can hear me, you bastard. Go back into that portal and come back here right now, you hear me? I want you back here. Wernie, you bastard, I want you back. Oh, Fives, you can come here too, you hear me? You've got some explaining to do. And I don't give a shit how much boy you get paid or what superpowers you
6: have. This is an automated message from Site-19. We have a Category 1, Site-wide failure. Contact Alternative Command for orders. I want fucking Warner and the Overseers! This is an automated message from Site-19. We have a Category 1, Site-wide failure. Contact Alternative Command for orders.
1: I want my old job back! I want my desk
6: and my office! This is an automated message from Site-19. We have a Category 1, Site-wide failure. Contact Alternative Command for orders.
1: I want my house and my car and, and my lawnmower! You could buy me a new fucking lawnmower! I want to see my brother and my mom and dad! I want Adrian back. I want a bottle of wine to drink with her. I want to see Italy again. I want... I want to see a real fucking ocean again. Not a fucking moon ocean, a real one with real fucking water.
6: This is an automated message from Site-19. We have a category one, site-wide failure. Contact Alternative Command for orders.
5: Beckett slumps over the computer console, shaking with sobs.
6: I
1: wanna I wanna turn on a TV and, and and see you say Legionnaire worked. It blew up that alien piece of shit. And it's not the end of the world anymore. It's just SCP two three nine nine. It's new. it's new it's neutralized. And we sent that thing to hell. I want my fucking
6: world back. Receiving transmission.
5: Beckett sits bolt upright. He sees the camera view has changed and grasps the seat armrest to steady himself. A colossal mass of alien machinery is on screen, hovering amidst the roiling atmosphere, covered in scorch marks. From a thousand atomic blasts
6: new video feed active
5: he falls back into the chair not his miraculous deliverance just the ever fickle voice recognition software
6: receiving transmission
5: another surge of adrenaline lurches him forward with trembling hands he presses the transmitter button
6: All primary systems destroyed. Mission aborted. All primary systems destroyed. Mission aborted. All primary systems destroyed. Mission aborted.
5: There is nobody around who can tell if the last man on the moon is laughing or crying.
0: SCP-2399 was written by DJ Cactus. The Last Man was written by Modern Major General. Our host and narrator is John Grills. Cassini was played by Chris Snyder. McAllen was played by Graham Rowett. The Last Man was narrated by Addison Peacock. And The Last Man was played by Atticus Jackson. Our music is created by the incredible Tom Rory Parsons. And my name's Pacific Obadiah. I'm your show host and sound designer. Our producer is Tom Owen, and this is a Bloody Disgusting Show. For more information, visit bloody-disgusting.com.